Hello, sweet folks. A quick little note to say that if you are a lover of all things Instagram, come on over and say, hey, you can find me and my artwork at Fane House, and you can find this podcast at Fane House Radio, a great place to see the faces behind the voices of the people in these interviews. Also, if you know anyone at all who might find support and inspiration from these conversations, please do tell them all about it. How can you do all that needs done in life and still pursue your desire to learn French or the guitar or grow a plant or make art? You can't put a fiddle under your pillow and wake up playing it, though how cool would that be? But one thing we can do, no matter how chaotic and overwhelming life can be, is know that every tiny small motion in the direction of those endeavors really do matter. And not only that, they add up over time with great momentum. Join me, Annie Fane Barillon, as I interview painters and gardeners, designers and musicians, photographers and cooks, creative livers of any kind, who have somehow, in the middle of it all, continued on their creative paths, no matter what. This is Fane House Radio, and I'm so glad you're here. My name's Lindsay Moheran Leiden. The creative endeavors of my life, what have they been? Um, I would say musician, artist, builder, craftsperson. Craftsperson in wood? Yeah, wood, woodworking, fine woodworking. Not like, you know, fine woodworking, but like fine woodworking. <laughs> and uh, luthier, not lutheran, luthier. And um, artist, painter, not houses, but canvases. And a musician. Does cooking live in that list anywhere? So I would say a- yes. I do doesn't... like to cook. And it's, it's really fun, but I don't, I wouldn't consider myself a chef or a cook or anything. Um, I do it cause it's, cause I enjoy it and I've had to do it in the past to, you know, get by, but I wouldn't consider myself a cook, but yeah, cooking would be on that list. Well, we'll just get it out of the way right now, this very minute, just so everyone knows who doesn't know us that you are my brother. Yep. <laughs> And thank you for saying yes, because I know that's a funny thing to be fellow family member. Um, but I think it's important to be interviewing you all also because, well, a lot of reasons. One is the story of growing up together. And then all three of us, there are three siblings, have chosen creative lifestyles. And so I'm always curious, how did that happen? Why did we choose it? It would take hours to unpack it. Um, but at the moment we're now adults and you have a studio just down the road, really close to mine. Your brand new wife has a ceramic studio right behind yours. And then we're up the hill here and it's a kind of really, really fun thing. And I know it's not a usual thing. Do you feel like there are any key moments in your childhood that you think kind of helped you on your way in terms of choosing a career based in working with your hands? I don't think it was ever really a conscious decision or you know maybe key moments would be like um you know it was just we just did it from the very beginning i don't know any other thing i don't like if you talk about taking art lessons or music lessons when the thing about the first music lesson i ever did was i just remember we were so young i have vague memories but i just remember we were dancing around in a circle and i had a hole in my sock and my toe kept sticking out. <laughs> so I kept bending down to put my toe back in. And then I'd have to get up and like keep dancing. And then my toe would pop back out again. And I'd have to get up and put it back 
And every time I was like slowing the line down and we were probably doing some circle drum dance or something. That was probably my, but I mean, it was such a, so long ago. I barely, barely even remember it, but those were our music, our music classes. And then we went on to art and stuff and little middle folk school and everything. It was just never really a decision like, Oh, I want to be an artist. It was just what we did for good and for, for bad, you know, it's not all good, you know? Um, and then of course, you know, mom being a craftsperson and an artist and dad, even in his dad's, he's great with his hands and he can build anything, you know, just being around that environment. It was just kind of like what we did. I guess it, I think for me, it's more about trying to find a creative lifestyle where I can be in control of my time, do what I want to do with my time and always keep challenging myself mentally and creatively but also make it sustainable so I can continue to do it. Those are m my motivations, I think. Uh, I don't really get caught up in the reasoning and stuff. It's more about just, that's just what we've done, I guess. Well, it's true that we've been like totally surrounded by old time music, art, creative people who were somehow pulling it off <laughs> and paying their bills. And that's all yeah. true. And we had tons of support. You know, we were taking, you were talking about Little Middle Folk School. That was a week long camp at the John C. Campbell Folk School, where you could do everything from blacksmithing to Ukrainian egg decorating or weaving. And we did that from seven to 17 years old. And we had various other classes and things. I mean, I, but the undertone of that was we had so much supportiveness from our parents that that was like a valid, great thing to do. And they would make sure yeah. to get us there or drive you to your drum lessons. At yeah. the same time, there had to be some choices in there, for example, you know, when you were younger, you were not into old time music and you had to come up, come upon it. So you made a choice. I want to be a drummer and play as fast as I can and play punk yeah. music and everything. And then yeah. later you chose old time, for example, yeah. or when we're in college and we're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to graduate. And do I choose what I want to study off of? Like, what's going to make me a bunch of money when I get out of here? Or are we making these lifestyle choices? Because not everyone that grows up in this scenario does choose this. The reason yeah. I'm mentioning that too is um, our parents didn't necessarily grow up that way. They made a choice to create that way yeah, and to yeah, yeah. live that way. Yeah. And the beauty of mentioning it is that even if we don't grow up that way, we could choose it and we could design our lives how we want and wanting people to know that and feel that and also remind ourselves that, you know? Yeah, it it is a choice for sure. And it's a tough one at times. I mean, it's really tough. I don't want it to sound like it was all just roses and, you know, and it was just this amazing, uh, everything was just given to us and we just figured, you know, there's the support was definitely there, but we had to make our decisions for sure. And it's been hard work to get here. I mean, just relentless. Even we were just talking earlier about all the different parts of running your own business and, and everything like that. It's a definite choice. Um, and I don't know if it's the right choice necessarily, at least not for everyone, but I guess the important thing to say is that it is possible, you know, and I think that's kind of what your podcast is about is like sharing those experiences of people that have made it possible and it is possible and it's very exciting and it's very inspiring, but I've ne I'm not money driven. I've never been money driven, but if you just keep going towards the common goal and just you know, know in your heart, you're trying to do right by it, then the money just kind of 
kind of appears and then it appears again and then it appears again and then you realize oh well, i could actually you know buy groceries this week or whatever and and then you kind of end up you just keep at it and then you make a little bit of a transition and then a little bit more of a transition and you phase certain parts out and other parts start to grow and you get excited by that and you follow that and you get this momentum going and then the snowball effect and slowly and gradually it just starts building and building and that's the part that people I think that either want to skip or they get discouraged by or they don't want to acknowledge it or something. But uh, that's really the truthful way to do it, I feel like, is to start with your goal and then slowly just keep at it and just keep going at it and keep going at it and then gradually let it grow and evolve. But it it, it needs to grow slow anyways. I mean, if it just is too much too fast, you can't keep up with it either. And as it's growing, you're learning all the parts of it, all the little inner workings and all the, all the, the contacts and, and the business part and the taxes and the emails. And so you get on, you end up get an understanding of how everything works too. So then you can hire people to help or know what you need and then make sure that they're doing their job and a good job, you know, or whatever. Then you just kind of start riding the wave and then it gets totally out of control <laughs> and then you can't keep up with anything and you got way too much to do and you got all these people wanting something from you and needing something and big list of orders and then it's a whole nother ball game. Well, that makes me think like of 10 different points we could hit on. Yeah. But, um, I think, I mean, anyone, that's what's refreshing about talking to people and interviewing them even just for this show the theme is 100% consistent that you start from nothing and you slowly create something. Yeah. And if you're willing to go through the hard times and really not having like any money and trying to find some creative solution to have a studio anyway, like I decided, okay, well, I can't afford water. So I have an outhouse. So like you're compromising because you want to be there so badly and you're doing the best you can. Exactly. And it's almost like, well, if you're willing to go through that part, all the parts that we do not post on Instagram. <laughs> right. Yeah. Then over time, you're going to get somewhere. You know, I'm as you're talking, I'm realizing that it's been 20 years I've been trying to live this way. Yeah. And <laughs> no, it's been 20 years that you have been living this way. Right. You know, touche. And it, yeah, it may be. That's what I, I want to just kind of remind everybody too. like, I feel like at least in a lot of ways I can talk about everything being so positive all the time and happy, but it's there, there, it's not like you or you too, both of us, we've had our struggles. We're not just like, Oh, we decide, you know, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but I just don't want people to get the sense or the feeling that we just have it figured out or we just were raised this way to where we didn't have to work hard at it or anything like that. That's not the case at all. Like we definitely had to, to put in our time for sure. Um, but you're right. Yeah. The, the main thing is just keep going at it. But those, for me, it's like all that kind of part of it is fun part. It's fun to me to get an email about somebody that's wanting to order a banjo. It's fun to me to meet with people and talk about banjos. It's fun. I've got people coming over today and tomorrow to look at them and, and want to like play them. And like, that's that part. It's fun. If that part is work to you, then you're probably not doing the right thing. You know, honestly, none of it's really work for me it doesn't feel like work it feels exciting and that's when you know you're doing the right thing or the right art or the yeah. right whatever and if it's not exciting you should probably find something that is maybe 
being a dentist is exciting for some people and that's great. They sometimes I think I probably should have done something like that, you know, but uh, it's just a life choice, I guess, lifestyle choice. You mentioned banjos and we haven't intro that yet. So tell us oh. what your main work is right now that you are doing in your studio each day. What is your primary focus? Yeah, my business is based off of old time open back banjos, the mountain style, the mountain sound, Appalachian, you know, old time as opposed to bluegrass and stuff. Custom, one of a kind, professional level banjos. Some of your orders is also woodworking, like some kind of fancy stuff. Yes. Some of my orders are woodworking, like I'm doing a podium for this auditorium in Raleigh right now. Two two podiums actually for them next to the governor's uh, mansion. That, that's going to be a pretty fun project. I do a lot of like custom furniture and stuff, but honestly, I'm actually phasing that out. I'm, I'm just going to just do banjos. It's where my heart is. It's where it's the most fun. And I'm getting to the where, where I've got enough orders to make, just be able to make that transition and then teach banjo building. I do workshops here in my studio. So just basically do those two things. There's a lot of pleasure in simplifying. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm, this end of this year and the beginning of next year is all about just really targeting, focusing, simplifying, saying no. I just stepped down from my position at the resident artists, you know, at the folk school. And that was a great job. I loved it. It was wonderful. There was no negative aspects to it that made me want to stop or anything. It was just like really trying to like focus and not be running around like crazy all the time because if you're not careful that can happen so easily and then you you really if you're self-employed you got to really be control really careful with your time and focus because no one's telling you you got to be there at eight in the morning no one's telling you you can't leave at three to go hang out with your buddies or anything um so you just have to like really focus um so that's my my new transition is just just doing banjos well, that's awesome. And I want to point out that the reason you have that clarity is because you've experimented. You started with where you were at. You found some way to put together a studio for yourself. You took any mm -hmm. order that came your way. Oh, you, yeah. You continued <laughs> to learn about banjos. You didn't just sell your first banjo. You waited till you had some things figured out and let time happen. And so that's really exciting because you've put that time in. And now it's almost like we work hard and then reevaluate and something in our gut might say, okay, I think it's time. I think it's becoming clear, you know, yeah. to let some things go and focus more on the other thing. And hopefully knock on wood, we're along alive long enough that we're going to have all kinds of phases. And in a way it's like life presents to you the next step. If you're engaged in actively doing whatever the thing is, it'll come clear, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Tim Gardner from, Cedar Mountain banjo. He's a, he's become good friends over the years. We always kind of chat and hang out and talk, swap ideas and uh, play music together and stuff. And I was hanging out with him at Clifftop this year and he doesn't have a booth or he's not trying to sell anything. He's just hanging, you know, and I was just asking him how's business going. He's like, it's good. I do. He has a certain number he does a year or something and he's got a consistent draw. It's not a ton. And uh, he says, I, I can work about, you know, 
three to five hours a day and I make enough money to live my life and pay everything. And I go ride my bike and, you know, and I was like, Oh man, that's just so dreamy, you know? And then I was like, well, I could do that. <laughs> I could do that too. Like I'm up to about 10 orders at a time now and batches of 10 at a time. And I can knock one of those out in every three months or so. And uh, at least that's my goal anyways. And then not have to spend all my other time trying to, do things that I don't really want to be doing that aren't actually bringing in much or if anything. And that was just a nice, like some, a clear moment. Like you're talking about, there was some clarity about when I had that conversation with him, that was really, was pretty exciting to realize that. It's a fun idea that we're like trucking along, trucking along. And then one day to be like, Oh, I don't have to do it this way. I could redesign the whole dang thing. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah. And then to just do it. That's the other thing. You just got to do it too. Like you have to, like when I stopped that job, transition out of that job, folk school, it was kind of like, it took me a while to do that. Like a year probably of just thinking and going back and forth. And cause it brought a lot to me, the community and everything was really wonderful. But when I finally made the decision that it was affecting my business and the program was being affected because I wasn't able to keep up with everything. Then it was just like pretty obvious, but I still was scared to make that decision, but I just did it. And man, a whole world just lifted up off my shoulders. When I did that, it just felt so good. And like, I don't know necessarily exactly how everything's going to be or what everything's going to be now, but I know that I've got the time to make, make it work if I need to, or push harder in some areas well, also you freed up brain space. I don't think it's always bad to do less. I think it can free up some space. And then what we're focusing on can kind of like go deeper and be more dimensional. Earlier, you were talking about banjos and you described them kind of as elaborate, which of course is not always a way that a banjo might be described. When people say that, they might think of mother of pearl insets, but you have a different kind of elaborate. You are doing things like putting color on the backside of this, the skin heads of your instruments and things like that, and distressing the hardware, the metal parts that attach everything together. Can you explain about that a little bit or describe a little bit? Do you have one that you could show, show us here on the screen sure. for those watching the video? Yeah, sure. I was shown by some other builders early, early on that the banjo is an accepting instrument for doing a lot of kind of creative things too. Like if you burn a fiddle with a blowtorch, nobody understands. Or if you paint a guitar blue and then sand, paint it black and then sand off the black till the blue comes through with really aggressive sandpaper because you like the texture, nobody really gets it. But with banjos, there's this open canvas still. And when you do really creative things to banjos, it's like accepted in a different way which I really, really love. And I kind of take advantage of that. And I really push it. I do things that I haven't, I'm not going to say no one's ever done it or no one ever does it because they may, but I haven't come across it yet in my world. And also my style is kind of like that. It's like fast and colorful. And I'm, I'm always kind of like that my mind is working quickly and I'm excited about the end result. And so I just embrace that. And I just kind of go with it. And I've, I've found a way to use that as a, an asset of my work instead of trying to fight it. And this is something that's really probably important too for artists. It's like, 
finding what you're good at and using that in a way that becomes your style. And if you do that, you'll be way more inspired and way happier and want to do it a lot more than trying to like fit yourself in a mold or a tradition that someone else has put before you that you feel like you have to do. If you're like fighting it, then you also need to make a transition and just go with what you really like. And you can set it up in a way that that becomes a good thing and a positive thing. And that's what I've done with my instruments. Like, you know, talk about inlay and stuff. I don't do any inlay. I don't like it. It's really tedious. It's like very, very slow. The engraving on top of the inlay is just hours and hours and hours and hours into these things. I don't want to say it's um, it's not as desirable as much to me anymore because it's like it's been there, done that, seen that. It's like I, I'm more interested in things that haven't been done yet or haven't I haven't seen yet. So I focus on coming up with these new creative ways of moving it forward instead of focusing on trying to be really good at something that other people are way better at me at, you know, anyways. Plus, like I said, it's just not my style. My brain doesn't work that way. It doesn't think that way. So this is one of my banjos as an example. And you can see on the back, it's like black and red and all that stuff. That's all like some of my surface texture and design. I paint the back of the heads. That's an adjustable dampener that I, a tone controller that I've used from being a drummer. And then I've distressed the neck, antique all the hardware, you know, black and red, bright colors, bright veneer. That's the front of the head. And so it's kind of like a hint to the tradition, but my own style and I'm kind of pushing it in other ways. But of course, the most important thing is it sounds right and it plays right. I don't know if you can, if you can hear that, but I, I always strive for a really warm, full, clean sound. I hope people do kind of see some samples or check out your work. Your webpage is Moharan Craft. You mentioned painting as a background that you have. And I remember encouraging you to like really do that more because they're so funny. You do like do these huge paintings, taller than any of us, really yeah. bold colors. So you have that in you, this like colorful, bold something going on and, and a painterly side of it that is fun to see it come out in your banjos it's almost like you just couldn't help but go the direction of color exactly. also your dear sister also known as me and your mom <laughs> and dad and other sister and brother-in-law people all play banjo and so you know you knew that it wasn't just like them looking pretty they had to sound pretty they had yeah, to yeah. sound great uh instrument is like a real tool so if you're performing if you're playing if you're playing your instrument for hours it has to feel good or it has a like wear and tear on your body basically. And that so I remember years ago I was teaching a banjo class and I asked you to come visit the students and talk about banjo setup and also how changing the bridge on your banjo could be like a makeover, a banjo makeover uh, without buying yeah. a new banjo. And every one of them got one of your bridges. You make handmade your own bridges from scratch also. Yep. And it wasn't till then like sitting there and listening to you talking about how much actually tension and math and distances and things matter so much. And in a way I was like, oh my gosh, this is like so artsy and so technical. Yeah. And so I admire this technical side and also in woodworking, it can be very artsy and very technical. You have to understand how the wood shrinks. You have to understand all, all these things. 
it does it's not for everybody we we like experiment with all these different crafts or we experiment with things we make or we experiment with food we experiment with farming what do we actually want to grow and then ding there's one that brings together all that you love and then you could try yeah. your best to share that and so i just really want to acknowledge there's a very technical side to what yeah, you're yeah. sharing it's not just all this bold crazy color and i think people have misunderstood that about you as a person in the past yeah, even my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> well that's all true it's i do worry sometimes that the aesthetics i don't want people to think i'm trying to hide behind something or something you know like making it that colorful or whatever but that's never been a problem because they'll pick them up and play them and then they'll get a sense but that part of it was a big challenge for sure it was a very, very big challenge, and it was very discouraging getting all the geometry down and big, building all the jigs. And I will also say, like, from the first time I decided that I wanted to build till I started building till now, it's also been like you're saying, it's been like 20 years. You know, when I first, I remember going to my friend's shop, and he was builder, and I was so overwhelmed by it. I was like, I want to build banjos, you know. I was a musician. I've been playing a bunch and touring and all this and got tired doing that and I was wanted to kind of put some roots down and and uh so I kind of made this decision it was art it was music it was craft it was color it was like combining all my worlds together so I'd made that decision to build so then I was like I'm going to go to my friends and I went over there and it was just like extremely overwhelming there were jigs that I was so confused by what they did and what they were for the amount of shop tools the space the investment it was very overwhelming so then I went, okay, all right, all right. Well, let me think about this, you know? And then it was like another year of me just doing research and then playing everyone I could find. And I was just getting more and more into it. And I could, it was building and building. And then it was like, all right, I really, I, I still want to do this. It's with my plan. So then I said, I'm going to enroll in a woodworking school. That's when I went to Haywood and got a diploma in fine woodworking. Then it was like, okay, now I've got that. I didn't want to like have to figure it out. I wanted to just like get an education in that specifically as best I could and then use that to just keep moving me forward. And then it was like, had to build a shop, had to relocate. I had to move back here. Didn't have a place to live, built a tree house in the woods. Don't have running water, don't have electricity. I mean, li but living in it for years, I still live there all of that progress. But I will also say that it was all fun to me. The process was fun. The journey was fun. All those things have to be a part of it in order to really make it work. And then you get to kind of sail a little bit for a while. And then it gets really complicated again for a while. And then you kind of get pa passed through that and then you sail for a little bit. But yeah, that's the process and the journey was, it was a interesting one. This treehouse you're talking about or like small cabin, you know, it has a definite like Swiss family Robinson tone to it and <laughs> walking meandering pathways made of wood. And <laughs> yeah, it is really fun. And that was a, a process too. You know, it wasn't like ta-da. And then also in a way, tell me if I'm wrong, it seemed that making that choice and living that simply might've helped fund some of what you're sitting in right now. You're in your workshop. Yes. Which I the walls are still not insulated and that kind of thing. So it's like still going in stages and yeah, yeah. like letting it progress. Definitely helped for sure. You know, my envision was like, I'm going to live in the country and I'm going to live off grid and that'll give me all this time to do all these things that I want to do. And that, that did not happen. You know, it was not like that. 
it was it was like not only am I slam busy now I have to haul my water or now we're out of gas again or now it's too cold to take a shower because my shower froze or I can't do dishes because the sink froze I mean and working all the time getting back at you know nine thirty ten o'clock you know it's already dark out you got to build a fire and cook your supper in the dark with a headlamp you know like I remember like opening a can of beans and or my refrigerator was just a window that went outside, you know? Yes, so, I remember. <laughs> yeah. So I re pulled out this can of beans. I was like, going to make supper. And I was like, what is that? Something moving? And I opened, turn on my light and I looked down and the, the whole thing's just covered in ants and they're like crawling out of the top of the beans, you know? Oh, okay. Can't eat that, you know? So that kind of stuff definitely made it trickier at times, but it was also fun um, but that helped be able to save enough money to put myself through school. So that helped me do that. I was doing odd jobs everywhere. Oh man, I was so fried. I'd work on the weekends and then go to school. I remember I had a job at Whole Foods. I'd wake up here in Brasstown because I would work here Saturday and Sunday. I'd wake up at like 6 a.m. here, go to school, a full day of school, and then go do a shift at Whole Foods from like three till midnight, something like that, just to make it happen. Well, but you just have to want time. it bad. Yeah. You're talking about Haywood. So just to clarify for people that don't know, Haywood Community College is a community college in Clyde, North Carolina, about 40 minutes outside of Asheville. And you can go to school. It's one of the only places you can go to school for jewelry, textiles, woodworking, ceramics. And yeah. some great teachers have taught there and great students have come out of there. It's a really cool program. One thing that you and I talk a lot about, because part of that is like how to pull this all off, is the business side of things. And Haywood honors that. You have marketing classes, how to photograph your work and that kind of thing. Do you have anything to say about how, like, you know, for example, if we go to art school, we don't have business classes. <laughs> right. But Music we should. <laughs> but we should. And Haywood, you're in your craft classes, very intense homework assignments, your own large equipment. You have amazing people to ask questions, amazing teachers. And then you also have the marketing side of things. So mm -hmm. my question is twofold. One is, in what ways do you feel that that helped you to have both of those things offered together and honored together? Because that's the reality. And then also, you know, you have a lot of orders of different kinds at the moment that you're juggling. And how do you kind of organize yourself to deal with that side of things, with the business side of things? Well, the first thing that I got out of Haywood the most, aside from learning how to be a woodworker, joinery, and all those things, and just how to build furniture, was the photography. I mean, that was huge for me. I have a lab in my shop, and I take all my own photos. I manage my own website. And that, to me, was huge. And anyone that's doing this professionally or wants to or is full-time or whatever, if you can take a picture of your own work, put it on your own site or your own media, you're going to save yourself so much time and money because you don't have to wait for a photographer schedule to be available. Then you don't have to wait for them to edit the photos and get you back the JPEGs. Then they don't convert or then they have to convert or whatever. And also the amount of money every time, every piece of furniture to get photographed professionally. Being able to do that myself, set up my own backdrop, do my own photography was huge. The business class was really good, just kind of understanding how business works. But honestly, if you just get an account that's your business account, have a debit and a credit card account and a debit attached to it, make all your transactions through that account, get a tax lady or man, that's, um, I have a tax lady. <laughs> 
that's really all that part of it can be done. You can be done basically just with that, you know, marketing was pretty good, but honestly, I haven't even had a chance to do any marketing. I do photos and upload stuff here and there. I'm not even really that great at keeping up with all the social media and stuff, but I've never had that be a problem. Um, word of mouth has worked fine. And then again, it can build slow that way, which is good. You can kind of keep up with it. What was the second question? How you organize your orders. Basically, the only way that I found that I can do it is just how they come in. I just have a big file and they come in, that's, they, that's their spot. And I really try to not bump anybody up in the line. If a little thing comes in here and there, I may kind of move some things around just to get it done and out. But orders just go in, in line because if not, there's no other way to really feel like you're doing honest by it and keeping up with it all. Do you still have a big whiteboard? I do. Yeah. Dad said to make a whiteboard to get all of the projects out of my brain and on the board. But all it did was now I see it and it just gives me anxiety because all the stuff I got to. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're going to focus only on banjos now, does that mean will you still do our kitchen and our house that we're building? Yes, I will. Thank goodness. <laughs> but that's probably that and a few other things are probably it. I have been <laughs> saying no to woodworking orders lately. Yeah. No, I commend you on that. This is great. Yeah, yeah. This is a great transition. It's fun to see. So another creative solution that you've had for using your space, paying the bills, and also because you love it is teaching workshops mostly out of your own studio, which yes. means you have control of your whole scene and you'll have bonfire and play tunes together and you've made friends with people that way. It's a very cool thing. If people are curious about that in the future, how do they find out about it? Um, they can just go on my website and at the bottom has my contact info and they can just shoot me an email. They are really, really fun. They're a week long. We start at 9 a.m. We go to about five. We have lunch together. We, you know, we listen to music. We take turns being DJ. We do four at a time, four people at a time. And uh, in the evenings we have, yeah, like you said, cookout bonfires, play tunes. We'll go to jams and they're just really fun, really exciting times. And everybody's seems to just really love them. So yeah, you can just send me an email and there's a materials fee that covers your spot. And then the tuition isn't until the actual workshop. And they're usually about three months, four months out. So I'm getting ready to release my spring workshop. I'm going to maybe do two or three, try to do one in the fall, but falls, summer and fall are just so busy. I'm yeah. trying to figure out how to do more. Well, every time you post, you know, your students with their finished banjos, they look so proud yeah, yeah. because it's not easy <laughs> to do. No, and then it's easy. like, they went through so much to just create these banjos. It's, it's very fun yeah. to see. What would you say has been one of the biggest struggles for you when it comes to staying on your creative path? I would say personally, what I struggle with the most is just trying to keep up with everything, trying to keep people happy, communicating with people in a better way where they know like i'm always worried to tell somebody it's going to take a year before they get their thing but just trying to keep up with all of it is the hard part for me personally right now the struggle of getting here was really hard but now that i've gotten i'm not here but now that i'm i'm a little more stable and have my space environment and the business is doing well it's just kind of keeping up with all of the the chaos that just comes with it what has been filling your inspiration cup these days this right here, this is my new, my new thing is a gourd banjo. For years, I've been wanting to build one of these. I just never had the time to do what I wanted to do for myself. So right now I'm trying to build this one and I find little moments here and there where I can hop off and 
put a little energy into it, but this thing I'm super, super excited about. And the other thing I'm really excited about is building myself different banjos that are fretless or semi-fretless. I want to build one of those, have the gourd banjo, different tone rings, just kind of for myself to play. That's really exciting to me, be able to build myself a couple instruments. If you build a table, you can't play it when you're done, you know, it's done. But an instrument building, it's just the beginning. For people to see who can't or are just listening, what Lindsay's showing us is a banjo, but the pot of the banjo is made of a gourd. So the whole rounded back is a gourd, which is a reference to original banjos. Yeah. When you're done experimenting with those and you feel confident of your design, I definitely, definitely want to get one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. Put you I on the a, list. <laughs> yeah, put me on the list. Yeah, I have a jar going to get one of your other open back banjos too. Yeah. So we'll do it two for two for one, double deal. <laughs> it's really, really funny because our workshops are literally so close, like just barely down the road, but we're all so busy. We hardly ever see each other. <laughs> I know. That's another thing I want to try to work on is trying to take time or take the moment to do stuff like that instead of for so long, every, every time I was like talking with somebody or I would, somebody I'd be meeting in my mind, I was just like, I got to wrap this up. I got to meet this other person at this time, or I need to go run over here or I got to go to Lowe's cause it's closing or and I, I'm just trying to get that part of it out. I don't want to be that way the rest of my life. I want to be able to just chat and hang out with people and not feel like agitated and trying to like reverse some of that. Definitely. I think it's a great thing to pay attention to, to really take a minute to hear what the person might be saying that you, yeah, you taught across me that. them on the street. <laughs> you you taught me that one to just like listen to what they're saying instead of just what are, where I need to be next or whatever. So I'm, working on that i'll let you know how it goes okay <laughs> yeah well there's waves i'll i'll go through a time where i will feel nice and peaceful and then i go through times where it's just like total chaos but that's yeah. just life and that's people i'm not saying i'm special or anything everyone does it but just in general i think the phase of being an artist is the first phase is like how to become one and how to make it work and first was how to become one how to be skilled in your craft and like spend some time and energy learning how to be good don't just, and that's always a struggle and it's always a progression. Like we can always learn. I still have to learn. I'm not saying I've got it figured out or anything, but like really taking the time to get good at the craft instead of just, yeah, rushing the process or getting out too fast. And you taught me a lot about that too, because my personality is just go, go, go. And just to really take the time that it, that it needs and enjoy that process. And then the second phase is like, okay, you've got that. You figured out, you got it good. Now, how do I? create. So I've got to get an environment or a shop or a space where I can do it. And then after you do that, it's like, okay, now how do I start selling these things? You know, like at Haywood, they're like, why are you taking a marketing class? And I was like, cause your mom and your dad and all your aunts and uncles already own your work. <laughs> it's like, now what, you know? So then you have to figure out how to sell it or get it out there. And then the next phase is kind of like not getting overwhelmed by the actual work. And that's where I'm at right now is trying to figure out how to not be overwhelmed by the, the load that comes with it or everything that comes with it. And I hope the third phase is just kind of sit back and doing what you want and building when you want and as much as you want and really not worrying about it and doing what you want with your time, you know? Yeah. Um, 
what you just described it reminded me you know when we were kids we watched the sword and the stone over and over and over and he snaps his fingers and sits back and the dishes wash themselves yeah <laughs> i had a vision of you like in your workshop sitting back and the banjos are making themselves yeah that would be great we're just doing fewer of them or something or well, it's like finding the balance between why are you working so hard, enjoying right. why you work so hard, you know, like yeah. make sure to enjoy why we're trying to pull it off. And the thing is, for years, you have to like, we're talking about like the to do list in your head while you're talking to somebody and trying to still relax and enjoy them and everything. It takes so much. It's way more than your average full time job to get this kind of thing going. And yeah. so in a way, after years of it, it's hard to break ourselves out of how much is always needing to be done and it's kind of hanging over your head that way you can't right. really clock in and clock out it's a total lifestyle it's always there Absolutely. um do you have your any last words of encouragement for everyone out there just doing the best they can to fold creativity into their daily lives i would just say just keep going with it you know understand that there are hurdles and struggles and we all have them we all deal with them but just keep moving forward if it's bringing you happiness then keep doing it and just just always remember that getting discouraged is okay and you learn from it you grow from it it's like really frustrating at the time but once you get through that then it then it's easier on the other end but the main thing is just understanding that that's a part of it and being okay with it and then just moving try to move past it don't try to do everything at once either just a little bit at a time is fine you're just building on something big and it's going to take a lifetime to do it so just enjoy the process of it as well, instead of just trying to always focus on the end result. And that's something I will listen to later and remind myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You can listen to this episode later and remind your own self of your own <laughs> exactly. advice. Inspire myself <laughs> by this episode. <laughs> when I start feeling down and want to quit. <laughs> no, but it's a true thing that we all need reminding all of us listening, even me, the questions I'm asking, we know the answer. We know that. Yeah, answer. exactly. Yeah, and and so that. we need reminding. It's also very fun to hear somebody else say it a little bit of a different way. So here's our reminder. It's a reminder yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Understanding that it happens to all of us and it's all okay. It's okay. Yeah. Well, um, not that you have any choice in the matter, but thanks for being my brother. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Thanks so much to Lindsay for joining us today. And thanks so much to you for listening. I'm Annie Fame Barillon, and I'll leave you with a quote for the day. There's no use trying, said Alice. One can't believe impossible things. I dare say you haven't had much practice, said the queen. When I was your age, I always did it for half an hour a day. Why sometimes I've believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Lewis Carroll. <laughs>